And the text, I'll be honest with you, wanting to preach about tonight, and by the help of the Holy Spirit of God, is desiring that, that anyone that has uh, attended church for any length of time or for, has gone to Sunday school, you've heard this scrap passage just preached and taught so many times, and you just think, well, what possibly could there be new out of a verse or a passage of Scripture like this? Well, just hold on to what God has in store for you. I have found that God opens up your eyes in different ways. Like the psalmist said, Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. And that's what we pray tonight, that God would help us to see what he would want us to see out of this passage tonight. Look with me in Luke chapter number 5, verse number 16. The Bible says that he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Now, before we go any further right there, I'm just going to say that if Jesus Christ needed time and a break to be able to withdraw himself and go into the wilderness and have a season of prayer, I believe we need to take a lesson from that. I believe that we also need to have a season of prayer where we can go out into the, uh, a wilderness area, go into your prayer closet, spend a little time with the Lord Jesus Christ where it's just you and him, nobody else. Uh, take that cell phone and throw it somewhere else. Praise God. Put that computer somewhere else. Put whatever it is that distracts you, the television, wherever. Find a spot. If you actually have to go to a closet, I recommend you go to a closet. If you really need to do that, just take time to be able to do that. And that's what Jesus Christ did. In verse number 17, it says, And it came to pass on certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which they were come out of every town in Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Praise God. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him in, to lay him before him. By the way, the him is Jesus Christ that they're wanting to lay him before. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and left him him down through the tiling with this couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, and by the way, I believe that there's more than just those four men's faith that God saw right there. There was a fifth man that was involved, and that was the one that was laying on that bed that was being let down. The faith of that man had to be present as well. And when Jesus said, he saw that he saw the faith, and he said unto them, Man, thy sins be forgiven. Wow. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Whom is, which, whom is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of God hath power upon the earth to forgive sin. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, and saying... We have seen strange things this day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the reading of your word. God, I beg you that you just bless it right now, God. Lord, I pray that you'd use me, God, that I might be able to be preached, God, as you'd have me to be preached. Lord, I pray that you'd empty me, God, and hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, anoint us that we might be able to preach in power and in authority. 
Lord, we thank you for your word and how wonderful it is. And God, we pray that you just uh, let it go out. And, and Lord, we know that it will not return void. And Lord, I pray that you just touch, God, in the remainder of this service. God, we thank you for what we felt, God, as we're here in this service. God, I pray that this uh, message would uh, resonate within the hearts and the lives and the minds of the people that are gathered here today and those that are watching us by way of the internet. God, I pray that you'd bless it. Use us, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So here in Luke chapter number 5, Jesus has begun his ministry. And as he's beginning his ministry, he starts to make some, rough, or make some ruffled feathers around in the religious sex. As a matter of fact, he already decided that he was going to do some things. And the people of Nazareth didn't want him around anymore. There were two groups of people that had already asked him, why don't you just go ahead and you leave our area? Number one, that was Nazareth. The people that he was from, the people that he had grown up around, the ones that he had uh, worked for and had done many great things already in their presence. But then all of a sudden he preaches a sermon and claims that he is God. They take him to a hillside, they're going to toss him over the side, but yet God moves those obstacles out of the way and Jesus Christ is able to walk through and then he goes on and he finds another place to minister to. How sad it is that boy, the people of Nazareth could have had such a blessing, yet they rejected Jesus Christ right then and right there, being in that place that he was born and raised in. But then he goes to another place called Gadara and he sees the demoniac that comes to him and they, they go forth and he casts those demons out and he casts them into the swine and the swine run into the water and then those people say, well, Jesus, we're afraid of what you're doing. And as a matter of fact, it amazes me that they're afraid of what they're doing because the demons had tormented them for so long already. They had already spent so much time because that man was the one that was going in. They would try to put chains and they would put fetters upon him. But yet he would break loose from all of those things. And then here he's saying that we, we want you to go ahead. And now Jesus Christ comes into Capernaum. And he begins to preach the word of God. And he gets into a house. And may I say this. If God ever gets in your house the way God wants to be in your house. It's going to make a difference in your house. And I can even say this, when Jesus Christ is making a scene in your house, then the neighbors are, it's not going to take long for them to recognize that. It's not going to take them long for them to know that there's something different about your house. And I'm thankful that there's something different about this house of God because we love to worship God. I think there's something different. Thank God that there's something different about the houses that you live in. I'm probably sure, pretty sure that those Wednesday night crowd, that those ones, are you're the ones that serve God, love God, make a difference for God and, and do those things. And, I'm, and if not, I pray that tonight will be the night that you turn around in this first Wednesday night in 2023 and you begin to say that, hey, I want to make a difference and I want Jesus Christ to make a difference in my house that's the desire of each and every one of us I believe and this place was absolutely packed boy don't you love the house of God when it's just packed but don't you get a little nervous when your house gets packed I'll be honest with you, I, I get a little nervous when my house is packed out. We got a, a, a big family. That's not nice if you think of it the way that you're thinking about it. But, I mean, we are big people, but uh, we are a big in number family. That's exactly what Brother John was thinking. Amen. But I, we have this area that's over the basement. We have a basement that's there. And, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes, Brother Joe, I, I'm, I'm kind of nervous because I can kind of feel the, the floor kind of. Move a little bit, because there's so many people. Not, yes, there's too many people in the house. 
And I, and I get nervous about that. But then there's these people that had the, the house that was packed out. And there was not an empty seat in the house. There was not a, a door that you could get through. There was not a, a window that you could try to slide through and be able to slip in there. And there, was, there were four friends, though, that had a need for their friend. And I'm so glad that I had somebody that cared enough for me to get me to Jesus. I had a mother and I had a father. I had sisters. I had a family. Thank God that I had that. But these people are saying that there were just four men that were bearing this man that was paralyzed. There are times in our life where there's renovations that need to take place in our life. Some things need to change. Some things need to, to go. Age deteriorates in the, in the structure and corruption sinks in and renovations are a part of life. But when we ponder the wonderful Word of God, it, that we find that there's some times that when rooftop renovations actually take place. God's laid on my heart that there's a few things that, uh, as I look through the Word of God, there's some things that took place on the rooftops of some houses. And I'll be honest with you, I think we need to shout the glory of God from the rooftop of every one of our houses. I think we should declare the glory of God just as uh, the angels do, just as all of creation does. We should have some rooftop renovations in each and one of our, every one of our lives. And I will be honest with you, the first thing that I want to consider is these faithful four men that, that began to go, uh, they made a difference in another one's life. These four men are faithful because they uh, made a difference in their life. These four men that uh, thought it was worthwhile to bring their friend to Jesus Christ. They thought it was important to get their friend to Jesus. When I ask you this evening, boy, there may be some renovations that need to go on in your life, but are there some people that you need to get to Jesus tonight? Are there some folks that you really need to know? And I want you to go ahead and I want you to think about that person that may be in your life. The one that you've been praying about to get saved. The one that you've been praying about to have a healing. The one that you've been praying about that would, that would a difference that Jesus Christ would make. Because I'll be honest with you, we can try all of our life. We can do everything that's within our power. But until we get that person to the Lord Jesus Christ, until we get that person to have something powerful happen through the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll never be able to see the change that we're really desiring to see. We're desiring to see a change that God would just make an absolute amazing change in their life, but that He is the only one that will be able to do that. And our passage is one of those times that we look at, but I want you to consider a few things. I want you to consider, number one, their passenger. Lord, as little is known, Brother Earl, about this man. Little is known about this man that they're carrying, and there's just four of them, and not much is known, and we don't have his name, we don't have his status, we don't have what... Uh, religious group he was part of. We don't have the political group that he was part of or the party that he is part of. We don't have any of those things. The Word of God does not think that that, any of that is important. The most important thing in the Word of God that he's saying is that four friends had a passenger on that bed that needed to get to Jesus Christ. I'll be honest with you, there's people that I can think of and there's people that are going through my head right now that I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I could get them to Jesus Christ, that that would make the difference in their life. That I could just get them before the Lord Jesus Christ to, to bow down before Him. That, that would make the difference, all the difference that needs to be made in their life. We look at these things and there's not anything that's concerned other than one thing, the condition that He was in. 
Well, when we start worrying, we stop worrying about the status of somebody and we stop worrying about the religious group of somebody and we start, we stop worrying about how, whether they're Democrat, Republican or Independent or whatever else, don't know, don't care. If we stop worrying about those things and just see people for the need that they have and see people in the condition that they're in, then that will make a difference in our witnessing. That will make a difference in how we approach people. That will make a difference because we'll start getting people to Jesus Christ. That'll make all the difference in the world. That passenger that we have were simply told that this was a paralyzed man and he was completely dependent upon somebody else. There was no way that he could get himself up out of that. Notice that his family wasn't the ones that brought him. It's not said that it was his family. It's not said that it was the religious leaders of the day that brought him. It wasn't the government officials that brought him before Jesus Christ. But it was four people that cared and loved and wanted to see God make a difference in his life. So I wonder tonight, who is that person that's in your life that you can remove some obstacles because there's some things that between them and God that needs to be removed in their life. And how is it that you can pray for them? How is it that you can make a difference for them? The passenger, I want you to look in Luke 5, verse number 18. And it says, And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. Luke chapter 5, verse number 18 simply gives the condition that that man was in. It doesn't give anything else. All we truly know about it is he's completely helpless and he cannot do anything to get himself from one state into the state that he desires to be in. No doubt that he's tried all the paths that he could probably think of. No doubt that he has tried to get with the doctors and he's tried to get with the nurses and he's seen the the hospitals and he's tried to go everywhere that he could possibly go. But there's no solution. But then all of a sudden, there's four friends that say, Hey, I heard of somebody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I heard about somebody that can make a difference in your life. I heard about somebody that has been foretold in Isaiah chapter number 35. There's one that had been predicted that they'll be blinded eyes and they'll be open. There's one that's been predicted that would unstop the ears that they would be able to hear. There's one that's predicted that the lame would leap like a heart. And praise God, they had a friend that was a lame man that could not move, that was paralyzed and would not be able to move himself. But glory to God, they recognized that the Messiah had come, that Jesus Christ had come, that God in flesh had come and could make a difference in this man's life. Boy, the passenger that we have there is some of the ways that we begin to think about how uh, people consider the cost. Well, sometimes we need to just forget about the cost and get them to Jesus. Stay vigilant. Stay the path. The obstacles will arise, but the reward is well worth the cost that we pay. Not only do I see by way of introduction the, 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 the path that they have, the passenger that they have, but also see the path that they had. Boy, everything that the path is, seems like, boy, there's no way in the front door. There's no conventional way to Jesus Christ. How many times have we thought, well, I'll just go ahead and get this person to Jesus Christ when it's convenient? Awfully quiet. Come on. We say, well, well, we'll just go ahead and bring you. You imagine these four men, they have this man on a bed. They're carrying him. I don't know how far it was and how long it was, but they're going along as far as they can. And I'm sure they were tired. I'm sure they were weary. I'm sure that they had sweat pouring off of their brow. I'm sure that that was something that they were trying to do to make a difference in this man's life. And they were just getting him to Jesus Christ. And then can you imagine if they would have been like us, pulling on 75, like Brother Joe says, and a whole lot of traffic. Sitting in front of you. 
Nothing but red lights. The brake lights of everybody else. Boy, there's a lot of people that would have simply said, well, I tell you what, the traffic is so bad, let's go ahead and let's wait for another day. At the cost of that man, let's worry about that another day. What if they would have said, well, the door, the the conventional path is not there, but maybe let's check a window. That's not available to them. Now, I'll be honest with you, I want to think about the man that suggested the roof. I'm thinking door would have been good. I'm thinking a window would have been good. I would have, I have seen bathtubs changed out by cutting walls out of the side of houses, sliding the bathtub out, sliding the bathtub back in, putting the wall back. I have seen that take place at my own house. <laughs> but the roof? Why the roof? Why in the world would you do something like that? Why would you suggest such a way? There's obstacles in that it didn't deter them from forging forward. They were going the extra mile to get this man to Jesus. And, and, and how we need not give up on the cost of our friends. Stay that path and obstacle. Not only that, but there was also number three by way of introduction. There was their passion. What was their passion? Their passion was very serious. Uh, what drove these men to keep pushing forward? What was it that these other men were considering to be able to see that their struggle and the state of their friend, maybe uh, people would just make a way. You just imagine that, that may, maybe, maybe just maybe when they see us struggling and, and they see us hauling this and they see the condition of our friend, maybe somebody will move out of the way. Maybe a lot of people were from Atlanta and they didn't move out of the way. They didn't give way. They didn't do any of that. But the passion was getting their friend to Jesus Christ. And let's uh, try the door. Let's try the window. Let's try the back door. Let's try uh, us going anywhere. But the roof. They went through the roof. And one suggests the roof. And there's a way to Jesus Christ. Why were they so passionate? Because of the possibilities. Because of the possibilities that could take place through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it the possibility, oh, what could happen if somebody would touch Jesus Christ? What would be the possibility? What would be the difference if God could get a hold of this person's life? That person that is going through your mind right now. That person that I asked you at the beginning of this sermon to be able to picture in your mind. To say, what is it that God could do with them that if they could just get to God? Boy, it's our job to be able to get them to God. It's our job to be able to move them along and do that. Because I saw a few things that have just blessed my heart. And, and we'll be done pretty quickly because uh, the, the Word of God is self-explanatory. And I believe that we can just rejoice in what the Word of God says. But look with me. And number one, I begin to look at this. That there's a pardon on the other side of this obstacle. Well, the obstacles were that there was no way in the door. There's no way in the window. There's no way through the walls. There's, the roof is the, the best option. The roof is the best option. And if the roof is the best option, boy, that's a difficult time. we got to remember this, Bud Joe. they got to move them up there before they get him back down from there. That's a difficult thing to do. I've never tried to move a person, but I've tried to move other things on top of the roof and try to move them. And boy, dead weight is not easy to move around. It's very difficult to go through. But thank God that there was a pardon on the other side of that obstacle. Boy, they knew that if they could just break away that rooftop, if they could just get their friend to Jesus Christ, if they could just move their friend one step closer, if Jesus could just touch them, if Jesus could just speak to them, if Jesus could just be in their presence, thank God that they would make a difference in the pardon that was on the other 
other side was amazing. Why? Look with me in verse number 20, chapter number 5 in the book of Luke. Verse number 20 says this, And when he saw their faith, there was more than just those four, but I'm thanking God that there were four people that had enough faith to be able to bring their friend and take them to Jesus Christ. There were four men that loved their friend enough and had enough uh, of compassion and love about them that they wanted to see this man have something amazing happen in their life. And they said unto them, Man, thy sins are forgiven. Boy, what a wonderful phrase that is. What a blessing that is to my soul. And his response that Jesus Christ gave to them finally lay at his feet. And I'm sure that they expected Jesus Christ to, st- to, to stoop down maybe. They expected him to, to pray with him. They expected him to say a few words and lay his hand on him. And I'm sure they were expecting great and mighty things to take place in the life of their friend. But they, I, pre- I pretty much guarantee that they did not expect Jesus to say, Man, thy sins be forgiven. What a shock. See, I love the fact that when you get with Jesus Christ, you get a whole lot more than you ask for. Hallelujah, glory to God, amen. I'm so glad that when you get with Jesus Christ and God works something, a miracle in your life and works something great in your life, you may have asked for this, but God gave you this. You may have asked for something over here, but God gave you something better over there. You may have asked God to get you through this trial, but He brought you up over the trial and made you victorious over the next one and the next one. You may have asked God for healing in this circumstance and God gave you healing and God gave you a testimony to be able to touch somebody else's life. Thank God that there's something great when we get a hold of Jesus Christ. And God really goes for What occurred was Jesus says, Thy sins be forgiven thee. See, it amazes me how you get that much more, but Jesus Christ recognized, recognized something, that He had a greater need. Had a much greater need than just the healing of His legs and body. He needed a pardon, thank God. That we can have a pardon through the Lord Jesus Christ. The great need that he had was that, that Jesus Christ knew that this man was in a paralyzed state. Jesus Christ knew that he needed to, and desired that he would be uh, brought forth and be allowed to be able to get up out of that bed and be able to walk in his own. Can you imagine that he was thinking as his friends were letting him down that he's saying, hey, I want Jesus Christ to heal me and I want to pick this bed up and I want to walk down the street and tell everybody that Jesus Christ has done this for me. I want to tell everybody when I walk through the door. I want to tell my wife and my children that God has made a difference in my life. I want to tell the rest of my family that God is the one that has made a difference in my life. I want to shout it from the rooftop when I go ahead. There was a time that I was let down through a roof, but I want to get back up by the strength of my own legs and shout from the rooftop that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the healer. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that can pardon us from our sins. Something immensely more important. In Acts chapter number 5, verse number 31, the Bible says this, Him that uh, him hath God exalted His right hand to be Prince and Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. Thank God that we can have the forgiveness of sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter number 1, verse number 7, it says that in whom we have redemption through His blood, 
glory to God goes right there. But then we have the forgiveness of sins that continues on in Ephesians 1, 7. Then Colossians 1, 14 says that in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Thank God that we have a Savior that doesn't just leave us in a sin-sticking state. Lord, that He gives us the healing that we need to have. He gives us the forgiveness that we need to have. And what a great need that this man had during this time. Boy, the pardon. Then also in the great pardon that we had, the, the great need, but we also have great news. What is that great news in verse number 20? Jesus said, how many of you got red letter Bibles? Praise God. Aren't you, aren't you so excited when you read the Word of God and you see one of those red letters and you know that this is Jesus Christ speaking Himself, that you know that this is an absolutely amazing thing because God in flesh is speaking these words and the inspired, inspired people of the Word of God, inspiration of through the Holy Spirit of God, gives this time to be able to pin those words down and know that God is speaking to us. And He says, Thy sins be forgiven. Now, how do you know His sins were forgiven? Because what, Wade? I love it when people preach a sermon for you. Because, why? We know that his sins were forgiven because Jesus Christ is the one that said that his sins were forgiven. And if Jesus Christ says that our sins are forgiven, guess what? There ain't nothing that can bring my sins back. God, hallelujah. There ain't nothing, praise God, that can happen to me. There ain't nothing that anybody can do to me. There's nothing that the devils of hell can do to me. There's nothing that Satan himself can do to me to be able to bring my sins back on me. When Jesus Christ declared me righteous before Jesus Christ and God Almighty with His righteousness, when Jesus Christ uh, robed me in white through the blood of Jesus Christ and redeemed me and has forgiven my sins, there's nothing that can ever bring my sins back to myself. To buy a roll anymore. Glory to God. Thank God that we have that opportunity to know that that is the way. And it was unexpected. The great news was music to my ears. You have been forgiven. I'm so glad that when I was a six year old little boy, I heard Jesus. You say, You hear it, audible voice, better than that, as Brother Joe says. Deep down inside of me, through the promise of the word of God. That well, hey, if thou shalt confess with thine heart and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. <laughs> Guess what I did? <laughs> Glory to God, hallelujah. Guess what I did when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior? I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I trusted that Jesus Christ was the only way, the truth, and the life. I trusted that when he said in John 19.30 that he said that it is finished. I believed that it was actually finished. Why? Because God could do something that I could not do myself and you could not do yourself. We trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the one that was slain for each and every one of us, the one that has forgiven us of our sins. Boy, there's a great news to each and every one of us. And I'm so glad that they brought this up. Why? How may you ask if we confess our sins? 1 John 1, 9. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from, I love this next word, all unrighteousness. What a wonderful promise that is that Jesus Christ said that I'll cleanse you. I'll forgive you. 
I'll make it where you'll never have to deal with this ever again. But I want you to look also, number two, the power that was on the other side. Well, I mean, you think about those men. You think about those men as they're trying to, to reach forth, as they're trying to, to do something powerful for the Lord Jesus Christ, to be able to get Him to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're trying to make a difference in their friend. And I'm sure that they're saying, boy, that sun was hot. And there, there was so much that was going on on top of that rooftop. And people were starting to chisel. And people were starting to try to make a, 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 another hole. And, and boy, can you imagine that, boy, that's not big enough yet. Now, that's not big enough yet, and we got to start making it bigger. I can only imagine the people that were sitting down in the house. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If you're on my house, and you knock a hole in my roof, well, we're live streaming, so I can't say. No, I'm joking. Boy, can you... Can you imagine what was going through the minds of those people sitting there listening to Jesus Christ and then all of a sudden start, start, stuff starts falling off the ceiling and boy, the roof starts caving in and all of a sudden you see a man that's getting let down by four ropes and four people are trying to let down and boy, you see sweat dropping off of these men. They're trying to get this man to Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're saying, hey, I, I know that I don't have the power to heal my friend. I, don't, I know that their family wasn't able to get them to the doctor and I know those doctors and those, those nurses, they weren't able to do anything and, and make a difference in our friend's life, but if we just get to the other side of this rooftop, if we can just make a, a, a sunlight of glory to God, to be able to get to the Son of God, that we would just be able to get Him to go through there, to be able to spend time with Jesus Christ. There's power down there. There's power that we don't have. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that has that power. Boy, Jesus met the greatest need for this man and then it brought forth much anger. It surrounded them. When you begin to look and read the rest of that passage, all of the Pharisees and the doctors of the law begin to get upset and begin to say, who can forgive God of sin but God? I'm glad they said that because that gave Jesus Christ the absolute opportunity to be able to say, well, I want to tell you just who I am. And you are absolutely right that there is none that can forgive sin, only God Himself. But thank God, I am the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the Son of God. I am the one that has been chosen. I am the one that came down to make a path for you to be able to go through, to be able to have a surrendering time to me. And I thank God that we have that opportunity that we can see power on the other side of those obstacles. You say, well, what happened to that man when he got to the power? They gave him a new path. A new path. He didn't go back I'm sorry, I'm getting excited on my own preaching. But I've been told if you don't enjoy your own preaching, don't expect anybody else to. He didn't go back the same way he came. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that when you met the Savior, when Jesus Christ made the difference in your life, then all of a sudden you didn't go back the same? Thank God on that night, on that Friday night when I was a six-year-old little boy, when I came, I would, Brother John, I wasn't going to get saved. I wasn't going to be able to serve Jesus. I wasn't going to, I was going to be able to play the drums. I was going to be seen of people. I was going to say, look what I can do. But then all of a sudden, Brother Ray Hill got up and preached that night, and I found out that if I didn't trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, I would have died. I would have gone to hell. I would have spent an eternity in hell. But thank God, by path, I didn't go home the same way that I came because Jesus Christ changed the path that I was on through His power. Man found power on the other side. 
Boy, it set him completely on that new path. He was not the same man that he was before. He's not the same man that laid helplessly on the side and was being carried by on the wayside. He was not the man that, thank God, that he was a new man on a path to glorifying God. Aren't you glad that we can do that? The power also gave him not only a new path, but it gave him a new position. (laughs) I want to bring your attention to the parallel reading. If you can, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 9. In Matthew chapter number 9, it's the parallel reading. Mark chapter number 2 is also the parallel reading. But in Matthew chapter number 9, verse number 2, the Bible says it this way. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, now look at this next phrase. Be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. You say, Brother Shane, isn't that pretty much the same thing that happened in the book of Luke? Absolutely, but there's one phrase that is in Matthew that is not found in that verse in Luke. Be of good cheer. <laughs> now, Jesus Christ used that three times in the New Testament. He spoke those, that phrase three times in the New Testament. The first time that we see it is here in Luke chapter number, or Matthew chapter number 9, uh, in this verse that we're looking at. And then later on in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter number 14, Jesus Christ steps out on the water and he says, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Thank God that in the storms of our life and in the tribulations and troubles and problems and trials that we're having, that Jesus Christ can still step out on the, on the, the trials that we're having and on the stormy seas and be able to say, Thank God, peace be still, and he can also say that uh, be of good cheer and be not afraid. Why? Because it is Jesus Christ. Then we also have it in John chapter number 16, verse number 33. If you look on there later on, you begin to see that, what is that? That verse is actually saying that uh, be of good cheer, I have overcome. Glory to God. Be of good cheer, I have overcome. Those three instances that we begin to see, that it makes a change in our life. Each of these three brings cheer to my heart and the life of the believer. But the power that Jesus Christ displayed to this man set him in a new position. He was no longer the man that was sitting by the wayside. But thank God, even greater, the power of God had brought him to a new place, a new position where he can say that I am one of his and he is mine. Thank God that I can say that I am one of his, that I I know the shepherd and I know his voice and he knows me and thank God that the power of Jesus Christ is what was able to bring me here. But then lastly, number three, I'll close really quickly. Number three, look at the praise on the other side. Glory to God. The praise that was on the other side is absolutely amazing. Look at chapter number five of Luke. Verse number 25, and it says, And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, doing what? Glorifying God. Not glorifying the men that had brought him there. Not glorifying the people that had allowed their house to be utterly destroyed. Not not glorifying anybody else, but glorifying the one that is the only one that's worthy. To give glory to. But then verse number 26. And they were all amazed. And they. Glorified God. And were filled with fear. Saying 
We have seen strange things today. Dr. Harper, to be honest with you, I wish that I could say some days I've seen strange things today. Now, I'm not talking about Bucky's and Walmart. Because if you go there, you will see strange things. But it's not the strange things that we're talking about. I want to see the strange things that God makes the difference. For people around me to be able to say, He's been with the Lord. They've been with the Lord. These people know they're not just going through the motions at church service. They're not just going through the time to be able to say that we got up and sung songs and we got up and we preached the word and we got up and we prayed and we got up and we took up an offering and we did all the things that we were supposed to do. We turned the lights on, we turned the lights off. We did exactly what we were supposed to do on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday night. We did all these things. No, I want to see people that have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and know who they're singing about and know who they're praying to and know who they're praising God about and Boy, the praise on the other side. When God gets a hold of somebody and does something great, we need to praise Him about that. To be honest with you, what, what, what tears my soul out of the frame is the fact that one of the greatest miracles that will ever be performed is a sinner saved by grace. When someone is brought from death under life. When someone is brought from one stage that they can't bring themselves out of and they're in the miry clay, but then all of a sudden God reaches down and pulls them up out of that miry clay and makes the difference in their life. I think that's something to shout about. I think that's something more than, and I'll be honest with you, you guys that play golf, and I know I don't want to offend you, but watching golf on TV is worse than watching paint dry. I'll just be honest with you. Some of y'all enjoy it, but I, I just I can't do it. But we shouldn't just give a golf clap. Well, God saved somebody. Well, God did something in their life. Boy, I think we should shout about it. I think we should make something great out of that. Because why? There's rejoicing in heaven. Why shouldn't there be rejoicing in the house of God over those things? But there was a changing praise in this man's life. Look with me in verse number 25. And immediately he rose up from them, before them and took that where he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. I'm sure that this man was ever grateful to the people and the men that took time to be able to go forth and, 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 and say that, hey, there's a friend that I love so much that I want to bring him to the side of Jesus Christ. I want the God to make the, the difference in his life. I'm amazed that, that they did that. But thank God that for those faithful men. But he didn't praise them. He praised Jesus. He glorified God. But not only is there a changing praise, and I'll be honest with you, I'm sure that he praised those men because those men probably did more than just this. They probably took him down the street more than just to Jesus Christ, but they did the most important one and got him to God. There's a changing praise, but then also, not only is there a changing praise, but there's a contagious praise. In Psalm 145, it says this, I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Boy, I think we should praise Him. And then when our praise gets so exciting 
that it just might rub off on somebody else. As a matter of fact, we have biblical proof that this man's praise actually moved other people to glorify God. Verse 26, and they were all amazed. Now, I'll be honest with you. Sitting by the wayside there and you see a man that just been brought down from the roof and he's laying on this thing and he's helpless. He can't, he can't move one way or the other. And then Jesus Christ has this uh, a time that he spends with him and tells him, get up, arise and walk. And he goes ahead and he folds that couch up or that little bed up and rolls it up under his arm and starts walking out the door. I'd be amazed at that. I'd love to see something like that. I can't wait, Brother Jerry, to talk to people in heaven that things like this happen to. I, I, I feel like, I, I may not, but I, I feel like, Lord, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk to them. But then, and they, in verse 26, glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Praise is contagious. Your prayer life and your praise life will spill over onto the people in your family. And it'll spill over into this church. It'll spill over into that youth group. You want to see young people get on fire for God? Let's get on fire for God. You want to see the people that are in the the gap ministry get on fire for God? Then let's get on fire for God. You want to see these young people, these little babies that are coming up through the navigator system, you want to see great mighty things happen, then you start praising God, teach them how to praise God, and when they get to the praising age, they'll get there and they'll do it themselves. I just began to say, why don't we just praise the Lord? I love that old song, let's just praise the Lord. Let's just lift our hands to heaven. And praise the Lord. See, Jesus Christ did something. He preached to the crowd. Then he proclaimed forgiveness. He perplexed his enemies. He proves his claim that he is God. And he provoked praise in the people. Tonight, I want to do nothing more than to provoke praise that God would be praised more than anything else. All over the world, wherever this message is heard, wherever the word of God is proclaimed, just praise the Lord.